Good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you're able to be with us today. We're going to come now at this point in our time together this morning. We're going to open the word of God. We're going to spend some time exploring the Bible, or at least a part of the Bible. Specifically, we're going to be looking at the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. So if you have a Bible near you, you might want to turn to the book of 2 Timothy. Um, If you don't have a Bible near you, that's absolutely fine. The words are going to be coming up on the screen when it comes time for us to read those together. And we're going to be looking at these, some verses in 2 Timothy as part of our current teaching series. It's a series that we've called Identity. And within this series, we've been looking at um, some truths of who we are in Jesus, who Jesus makes us to be. And we've been exploring some of those truths over the last few weeks. We're going to continue to do that for a few weeks more. And like I say, this week's uh, truth of who we are in Jesus comes from this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to his friend and very good friend and his co-partner in the gospel, Timothy. Timothy was based in Ephesus. He was one of the leaders in the church in Ephesus. And at this time of writing, uh, a lot of persecution has risen up against the Christians, against, against the church. And Paul himself has been imprisoned in Rome. Now, this letter is actually the last letter that we have, of course, the last letter that he wrote. And so it's within that context where Paul is imprisoned at this time of great persecution against the Christians, against the church, that Paul writes to his friend, Timothy. He really wants to encourage him. He really wants to to, to instruct him about how he is to be in the time that is to follow. And so we're going to be picking up from the the start of this second letter, from chapter 1, we're going to read from verses 1 to verse 18. And this is what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you, Through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 
by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. For you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know well all the service he rendered at Ephesus. So the truth that we are looking at today, the truth of who we are in Jesus, is pretty much lifted from one of those verses, from those words that Paul wrote to Timothy. And the truth we're looking at today is this, is that in Jesus we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love and self-control. Now the plan for this morning is that we are going to look at that truth, but we're also going to look at what comes before and after it, because it finds itself uh, within within the context of what was written. Because at the start, if we look at verse 7, it says, for we have not been given. And then immediately after, in the verses that come immediately after, it starts with a therefore. It's a truth that has impact. It's a truth that brings something about. It results in something. And so we're going to explore that a bit today. We're going to look at what comes before and what comes after, um, just to help us to unpack this a little and to understand what this truth means. So what comes before? Paul knows that Timothy is a man of faith. He knows that he's a man who has responded to the truth of the gospel and put his faith and trust in Jesus. He knows that this faith is sure and it is secure. He knows that this is a faith that there's kind of a heritage of it through his uh, mother's side of his family, first through his grandmother, then to his mother, this line of faith, uh, and it now dwells within Timothy. And because Timothy is is a man of, of sincere and secure faith, it's for this reason that Paul charges him and reminds him to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in him. To fan into flame the gift of God. See, a bit later on, and what we read just a moment ago, Paul says that God has, has saved us and called us. So we've been saved, but also called for a purpose. He has things in mind for us to do. He has plans and purposes for us. And as part of that, uh, Paul is saying to Timothy, look, God, has, he's given you a gift. There's something that he's deposited within you for you to use for, for his glory and for his kingdom. But you need to fan it into flame. See, one thing that Paul did know about Timothy, I think Paul knew a lot about Timothy, but what he did know about Timothy and what we will see, I think, as we, we explore these verses, is that Timothy, um, the, the main thing that would stop Timothy from exercising this gift is fear. See, fear can make us shrink back and, and hide away. We don't want to put ourselves out there because we don't want to face the consequences of what what might come about because of it. And Timothy knows this about Paul. But Paul is saying that we can't, we can't allow fear to hold you back from, from what God has called you to do, but also from exercising what God has given to you. And really when Paul is saying about fanning into flame the gift of God, he's saying you need to exercise it. You need to, you need to use it. And it's not that 
with this imagery of fire, it's not that that fire, that flame had gone out. But actually, the call to Timothy is, is to feed the flame, to rekindle it, not to neglect it and, and to just leave it to one side, uh, where actually it would then be at risk of, of dying down to, to, to just embers and, and, and burning down. So it's not that it had gone away completely, but this, this call to, you need to fan it into flame, you need to use it, you need to exercise the gift that God has put within you. Don't let fear hold you back or prevent you from pursuing everything that God has for you. Don't let um, fear hold you back from using the gift that God has given to you. And then the reason why is rooted in this truth that we're looking at today. Why? For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. See, this is about something that God has put within Timothy, but not just for Timothy. He says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear. So we have, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, for all followers of Jesus, God has put his spirit, his spirit lives within us. His spirit dwells within us. And what the Holy Spirit does, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is that he produces godly character within us. And so for Timothy, Paul is saying uh, the, the spirit that God has put within you, the spirit who lives within you, he's not a spirit of fear, but what he will produce in you, what he will grow in you, the evidence of, of uh, we will see of, of growing more and more over time is that we will see power and love and self-control growing in your life and manifesting itself within your life and working itself out in your life. Because the Holy Spirit, he lives in us and he changes us. And so actually don't shy back from the gift that God has given to you. Don't let fear hold you back. Rather, you don't need to hold back from that because he has given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The opposite of fear is courage. And so what Paul is saying is this, is that what God is, what, is, what the, the spirit is producing within you is powerful courage. It's loving courage. It's self-controlled courage. And like I said, for God gave us a spirit like this. So it's true not just for Timothy, but it's true for us. And because this is true, because this is the spirit that God has put within Timothy, because this is the spirit that God has put within us, Therefore, do not be ashamed. Therefore, because the spirit given to you is not a spirit of fear, but of power, love and self-control, because that is true. <coughs> do not be ashamed of speaking openly about Jesus. Because that is true. Do not be, uh, do not be ashamed of shameful circumstances of those who do speak openly about Jesus. Because that is true, don't be ashamed to suffer for the gospel. We don't need to be ashamed. Shame is like fear. It makes us shrink back. It can make us withdraw. It can make us even uh, distance ourselves or even disown. Uh, we, we, we might even disown others if we're feeling ashamed by them or of them. So don't be ashamed. Don't step back 
Don't hide away. Don't shy away. Take courage in making Jesus known. But this isn't about your power. This isn't about your strength. This is by the power of God. It's the spirit who lives in us, who enables us to do this. In the book of Acts at, at Pentecost, where the spirit comes and falls on the people who were gathered, on the believers who were gathered, it says in Acts 4.31 that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The spirit comes and they proclaim the word of God. They speak the word of God with boldness. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 also says that no one can even say Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if that is true, if we can only declare and proclaim that Jesus is Lord because the Spirit enables us to do so, why would we ever think that we can proclaim Jesus to others uh, outside of the Spirit's enabling and outside of the Spirit's empowering? Actually, this isn't something that is um it's not something to kind of make us feel small and, and and insignificant within it actually it's to it kind of takes the the in some ways it takes the burden off of us in that it's the the power of god who enables us to do this we don't have to work this out in our own ability we don't have to work this out in our own strength it's the spirit of god it's the power of god who enables us to do that to make jesus known then Paul says the gospel is this, the message to be proclaimed is this, is that God saves and calls people to himself. Not because of works, but because of grace, a free gift, uh, a gift given, which has been given through Christ Jesus, through Jesus' life, through his death and through his resurrection. And how through Jesus, for all of those who put their faith and trust in Jesus and turn from their old way of living, and uh, and live with Jesus as king of their lives there is the promise of eternal life that is the message of the gospel that we've been given to proclaim it's the message of the gospel that Paul for which Paul was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher and Paul himself he said I am not ashamed within this and the reason I'm not ashamed is because I know in whom I have believed this is really important that we uh, that we grasp the choice of words that Paul uses here. He doesn't say, for I know in what I have believed. He says, I know in whom I have believed. There's a lot of books behind me today. These books can be incredibly helpful in helping us. There are a lot of Christian books, what we would call Christian books, books that would uh, help us to understand more of the character in nature of God, there'd be books that unpack the Bible and help us to understand what is written in the Bible. And these are all good things. But just as Paul was able to say, look, I'm not ashamed because I know in, in whom I have believed. He's not saying in, in what I have believed in the sense that we're not saying um, I know what I've believed. I know uh, what's contained in these books. I know whatever it might be. Actually, he's saying it's not in what I have believed. Actually, it's in whom. I have believed. His hope, his trust, his security was in whom he has believed. It's relational. He has a personal relationship with Jesus. And so his lack of shame, his lack of shame and his courage comes from knowing in whom he has 
believe. That is true for us. Let our uh, confidence never be in what we might know or understand. And those things are important. We need to grow in our knowledge and our understanding. But actually our confidence is in who, not in what. It is in who, because we have been called to a relationship with God through Jesus. So Paul continues, he charges Timothy to guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. Guard this gospel, this gospel message, this message of truth that has been entrusted to you. You need to guard it. You need to preserve it. It's been given to you. There's a danger where we, if we're thinking about guarding, we might think of hiding something away. And some things have to be guarded like that. We have to, to put them to one side. We have to hide them away and, and keep them safe and protected, uh, out of sight, out of harm's way. But that's not what this means. Actually, it's quite the opposite. To guard the good deposit that's been entrusted to Timothy, to guard the gospel message that's been given to him, to guard the call to, to teach and to proclaim the truths of the gospel is not something to be hidden away in that it's guarded. Actually, it's guarded by proclaiming it. It's guarded by teaching it. It's guarded by using it to lay foundations for healthy churches. And the call for Timothy, and it's the call for us as well, is to proclaim it. It is to teach it. It is to use it to lay good foundations for healthy churches. It is uh, that this, this, this gospel message, the truth of the gospel, is to be preserved and passed on from one generation to the next. A little later, in this same letter of two, uh, of two Timothy, Paul also writes this, if I can find it. It's only going to be one verse when I get there. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2. So literally just a few verses on from what we've read. Paul says this to Timothy, he says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there's this passing on, there's this handing on, this preservation from one generation to the next. But the reality is, is that we have an enemy who wants to snatch the gospel away. And that is why we need to guard it. That is why we need to guard that good deposit entrusted to us, just as it was entrusted to Timothy. I nearly didn't read verses 15 to 18, where it starts talking about individuals that Paul mentions by name. Not just because I was a bit worried about making sure I pronounced their names right. I just, when I read through it initially, I thought there's actually quite a lot already in the verses that we're looking at before we even go on to look at some other things. But actually, um, there's a reason why I did include these, and I think it's important. Thinking back to Mike, what Mike shared last week, he uh, shared towards the end about Cor uh, Corrie Ten Boom and her family, and just being able to hear the, the I guess, a, a practical outworking, an example, an, uh, an example of the truth that Mike had been teaching us about and seeing it worked out in people's lives can be very, very helpful for us when we have these examples. And in these verses 15 to 18, which Paul writes to Timothy here, what we see is real people facing and experiencing pressure, challenge and temptation, just as we do. What we see 
in, uh, in, in the New Testament and in the life of the early church through Acts and through the letters that we have. We see that actually for um, when, when the gospel was proclaimed, sometimes there were those that, well, that there would be those that received it as truth. But there were also those who laughed and mocked. Not only that, there were those who compromised on the truth for an easier life, for a more comfortable way, for their own personal gain. Paul often warned against people like that. But there are different pressures that come. When people are mocking what you believe in, there's a decision to make. Am I going to shy away? Maybe just alter what I'm going to share. Let's just change that a little bit so it makes my life a bit easier. Let's just change that a little bit so I'm less exposed. Let's just change that because oh, that could be a bit awkward. Um, maybe I won't say that at all or I just, I'll, I'll, I'll just change it slightly so it's a bit more acceptable so that it's going to be a little bit easier for, for people to hear. Those pressures and those challenges and those temptations come. And Paul speaks about these, about these groups of people. It says that there are those in, in Asia, which was the Roman province that would have included, included Ephesus. He's like, they've turned away from me. I'm now in prison for the sake of the gospel. I'm now in prison for the sake of Jesus. And there's a whole group of people that have turned away from me. Out of fear, out of embarrassment, out of shame, whatever it might be, they've, they've turned away and they've turned their backs. Then he names two people in particular, Phygelus and Homogenes probably fairly prominent people within the church and they themselves who have turned away from Paul. They've, it seems like maybe they've, they've disowned him. They want nothing more to do with him. And pressure comes when temptation comes. Not everyone will, will uh, hold fast that deposit. Not everyone will guard that deposit. Because pressure is there. Fear is there. Shame is there. But then Paul talks about Onesiphorus. One who, who even came to Rome, sought Paul out, came and found him in this time of, of need, in this time of isolation and his time of imprisonment. And this man, he comes and, and he, he finds his way to Paul and he encourages him and he, uh, he cares for him. We see here Paul is able to say that Onesiphorus, he was not ashamed of Paul's chains. He was not ashamed of Paul's suffering for the gospel. He was not ashamed of the cause for which Paul was imprisoned for. And actually we need to recognise and take, take heed of these examples that Paul gives to us. Like I say, because these are real people. Facing and experiencing pressure, challenge and temptation, just as we do. It might look different for them. The consequences of it might look different for them than for us. But it's not something that, that is alien to us. Phil Moore, in his uh, commentary on this, he says that... Um, he says this, he says that you may not live in a country where you are likely to be thrown into a dungeon for your faith like Paul. But you do live in a country where you face the daily temptation to tweak and modify the gospel to make life easier and to silence people's laughter.
But remember, we're not to do this in our own strength. We're not to do this out of our own ability. We're not to do this on our own. We're to guard the good deposit entrusted to you, not by ourselves, but by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, just as he dwelt within Timothy. We're not to do it in our own strength. This is the same Holy Spirit. Remember, if we go back to verse seven, he's the same Holy Spirit who gives courage and power and love and a sound mind or self-control. Paul, again, points us away from ourselves and he points us to the spirit who enables this within us and works this within us. Let's not try and do this in our own strength. Let's not try and proclaim Jesus in our own strength. Let's not be willing to suffer for the gospel in our own strength, but always realising that as we we guard what God has given to us, the call that he has given to us, the gospel that he has given to us, we guard it by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Fillmore says this, Fillmore again says this, he says, this is encouraging whenever we are laughed at or despised or threatened because we believe the gospel. The Holy Spirit promises to help us guard the gospel just as safely as God the Father is guarding our reward until the final day. And on that day, when Alexander and Hymenius and Phygelus and Hermogenes shed tears of regret and sorrow, we can reap a sure reward. We can reap the reward that God is guarding for those who guard the gospel with the help of the Holy Spirit. So brothers and sisters, let's fan into flame what God has given to us and make him known boldly and courageously because in Jesus we have not been given a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of self-control. We're going to come now and we're going to sing a song by way of response. It's a song that uh, is, is a, a prayer, really, of asking for more of the Holy Spirit to fan into flame, more of a passion for God, more of a passion for making him known. It's a recognition that we can't do this in our own strength. What God has called us to in making Jesus known, we can't do it in our own strength, nor should we. But actually, it's a, it's a prayer of, of asking God to come and fill us again for more of the Holy Spirit. More of the Holy Spirit to help us in making Jesus known. To give us courage in making Jesus known. So I would encourage you to, to sing it as your prayer, as your response. Or just listen to the words and just, uh, just wait. It says in there about waiting on God. Let's use this time to just wait and open ourselves up and allow the Spirit to come and move in us once again.